Oh, hey, folks, it's me, Renee. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Listen, I have another cool audio drama I want to tell you about. This is a really good one. I have lots of theories about it, and I need someone to discuss it with. It's called Hallway to Nowhere. Hallway to Nowhere is a microfiction horror podcast about isolation, escape, and that which is almost familiar. The story follows Jessica, a young woman trapped in a series of endless hallways. Only Nocturne and Oasis, two cold AIs, are there to keep her company. Jessica is just about to give up when she comes across a mysterious device. So if you're like Renee, listen, I love the spooky liminal horror of Badlands Cola, however, I do wish your episodes were much shorter. That's okay. What you want is hallway to nowhere, I'm telling you. Their trailer is at the end of this episode, it's in the usual spot, so you can get a taste of their very spooky vibes and see for yourself. All right, that's it for me. Go ahead, get in there. Enjoy tonight's episode. Have fun. You're out of put money down on you two being attached at the hip by now. I mean, what happened? He... I... I might have made a small mistake, which has completely destroyed any and all trust he had in me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Well, then, there is only one way to fix that. Oh, there's nothing to fix. You heard him. The last thing he wants is me chasing after him now. Well, maybe you don't have the slightest idea what Strathcona wants. Yeah, you're right. Not a clue. I I can't be of much help there, but I do know this. He has spent more time with you in the last week than anyone in this town since... Uh, well... Since Mel... Yes, he told me. Well, did he? Even more proof, then. Proof of what? That you should go after him. That is... No, he is not going to... Listen, if Jasper Moon is in Sparville, then Strath might as well be serving himself up on a silver platter, and you double that if Melinda beats him there. It is easy to lose yourself out there, Sonny. You know what I mean. You need someone watching your back. How would I even follow him? If, if it's hunches right, then my truck is probably dead, too. Well... You ever ridden a pony before? Oh, no. Hard pass. I'm sorry, darling. I suppose you don't exactly give off the equestrian vibe, but Bucky only nips if you let him. 
Bucky? This horse is named Bucky. I promise he is a sweet boy. Here, I'll show you to mount up. You just gonna put your foot in that stirrup right there. No, no, hey, down, let go. No, no, this is ridiculous. I am not about to get on a fucking horse to go gallivanting across the desert on the slim hope of finding some asshole chasing down a rogue radio signal. I'm not doing this. I'm done. Sonny, where... Sonny, where are you going? Somewhere. Anywhere. Away. And now I'm doing the stupidest possible thing. Running out into the Badlands mad as hell. But course correction would require thought, and I'm not doing that anymore. My march holds out longer than I thought it would. But eventually I can't ignore the prickle of sunburn on my shoulders, the twist of thirst and hunger in my sandpaper throat. And just as I can see that my stupid plan that isn't a plan has met its match, I see something odd. A stegosaurus. The silhouette is unmistakable, each backplate thrust up into the blue of the sky, lining the hunched spine that ends in a spiked tail. This is the exact same life-sized replica that hovers over the entrance to the once-proud paleontology center. I step without thinking and immediately trip over something. A curb. Even though I didn't mean to. Even though it is not possible. I have walked myself right up to the parking lot of the paleontology center. Strathcona was right. It is getting worse. Half dazed, I walk past the motionless stegosaurus to a familiar old bench along the edge of the cliff, and I sit. This is where I ran to on that first night in the Badlands. Maybe this is all just one big loop after all. The moment I sit down, the thinking starts right back up. All my rocky hollows are flash-flooded with the questions I've only just been able to stave off. Why does everything seem to revolve around Sparville? Where is the jawbone? What is the jawbone? Is Jasper Moon coming? And below all that, the one thing bubbling away, the thing I refuse to look at directly because I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. Strathcona. <laughs> how badly did I screw that up? A few hours ago, we were taking turns confessing our most fucked up secrets, and... When we barged through the door of the bus, there was a moment where I tripped. And he... caught me. Mumbled some smart-ass comment about me being a klutz, but... his arms stayed wrapped tight. Strathcona insisted I wasn't a monster. And the idea that I might have proved him wrong sits in my stomach, heavy as a brick and twice as sharp around the edges. Fuck, fuck, fuck! Rough day? Ah. 
you expect <sighs> to come out here and act like this, and no one to come and check on you? Dr. Gillespie, where the hell did you come from? I spotted you from the lab window while I was taking a coffee break. Are you... feeling okay? You look a little sunburnt. No, Doctor, I am not okay. And apparently, every time that happens, I find myself out here. Well, it always was a nice spot to come and mull things over. How goes the investigation? The, uh, investigation is actually coming together nicely. Really popping off. You know, normally this would be the fun part. But now you're sitting on a bench shaped like a dinosaur, screaming obscenities off of a cliff? Something good happened to me. Like, really? I mean, nothing spectacular, just honest. Real. And it's the first time I felt that adrenaline rush outside of work, and God, I don't want to think about how long. And then, wouldn't you know, it was torn up into tiny little pieces. Yikes. Listen, this sounds personal, and I don't really do personal, but... Sounds like a problem. It was just a stupid misunderstanding. I... I just want to go back to how it was before. You know that's not how it works. We can't rewind our lives. No matter how much we wish we could. Dr. Levesque. You know, one of the last times I saw him, we had a fight. That last night at the center, we'd been slammed with tourists all day and were behind on our curation work on a downright biblical batch of ammonites, stressed and exhausted as usual. I started it, asked him why he was wasting all his time on Jasper Moon's bizarre pet project, scolded him for giving the time of day to a man like that. Even if there was some genuine scientific benefit to be dug up, I even told him he was dragging down the center's reputation by associating with the whole disaster. And he was silent the entire time. When my rant was over, he just left. That was the moment. What moment? The moment I should have stopped cursing his curiosity and his naivete and his goddamn stubbornness and just gone after him. See how miserable this exercise is? Don't get caught up in trying to rewind back to a moment in time, investigator. It's not worth the heartache. Trust me. I... I'm sorry, Doctor. When I came by to speak to you that first time, I... I was shitty to you. Hmm, interesting. Oh no, please continue. Well, I mean... I guess if I would have spent more than two seconds thinking about it, I would have realized how upsetting the news of the moon case was for you. And how you probably shut down the center just to get some distance from the whole thing and, and everything that happened to Levesque and... Sonny, you appear to be trying to extend some sort of olive branch, and I appreciate that. But that's not why I closed down the center. It isn't? Ugh, God, no. 
Levesque would be spinning in his grave if I shut us down for the sake of sentiment. I closed our doors because I got my hands on one of the most absurd specimens I've ever seen. And I wanted the time to properly research it. Wait, absurd specimen? From where? Oh, one of those illegal amateur teams that pops up every few years. Caught them out digging in the middle of the Badlands outside Sparville. Confiscated the findings on the spot. They gave it up easily enough, but as far as I can tell, the specimen isn't like anything in the fossil record. Can you describe it? Can I describe? Oh, well, just give me a minute. Where to start? Um, the bizarre mineralization, the, the specimen integrity on a level I haven't seen since my early days, and, and not to mention the honeycombing in the frontal dentury is positively unhinged. Wait, um, dentury? Doctor, is, is it a jawbone? Well, now see, the correct term is actually mandible. Oh my god. Do you, do you still have it? Of course I still have it. I was just trying to do some dating on it this morning. Why do you ask? Only because that fossil might be the keystone of my entire investigation. Uh, I mean, maybe even the entire moon cult. You think a fossil has something to do with the... Oh no, you're going to want to see it up close, aren't you? Oh yes, please. If I could just... Uh... Wait. No. N no? Doctor, listen to me. Everything is riding on that jawbone staying out of the cult's hands. Y you have to keep it safe. Here, take my number. You, uh, you go back to the center and you lock all the doors. I mean, actually, actually really lock them and then wait for us to come back so we can plan our next move. Us. Yes. I have something I need to do first. Uh, I'll be back. You're, you're back. Get him. Um, get me on this horse. Huh? What? This, um, this horse, pony. Put me on it, please. Oh, well, only because you said it's so polite. All right, come on, Bucky. Steady boy. It's, you're going to be fine. You just need to calm down. Okay. So, yeah, uh, put your foot in the stirrup right, no, your other foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going up in okay. three. Um, One, two, three. Uh, Three! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, nice, Bucky. Okay, yeah. Uh, I must admit, you have pretty good saddle posture for a city slicker. It's good to see you came to your senses, kiddo. Oh, there is still plenty of time for me to fuck this up. But, um, thank you, Hawthorne. Really? You'll be okay here until we get back? Oh, hey, you don't worry about me one bit. Uh, this retired park warden ain't about to give up the Badlands without a fight. Just uh, try to remember. A big city investigator ain't gonna do Strathcona any good out there. But a friend. That he can use. I know. I'll try. I'll also try not to start a wildfire or trample any endangered marmots or anything. You know, Warden's Honor and all that. <laughs> oh, honey, look, I appreciate that, but park wardens protect the natural world. And whatever Jasper brought to the Badlands, it sure as hell don't belong here. 
So if you get the chance, I want you to put your boot firmly up its ass. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, Walthorn? Yep. Which uh, direction is Sparville again? Oh, you don't have to worry about direction one bit. Bucky and Triton, they're inseparable, so he'll just take off like a shot after her scent the moment I let go, which is coming. Wait, 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 wait what do you mean by the other? Wait, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> Good luck, darling. You go get our boy. As Bucky twists and turns through the maze of coppery rock and silt, I do my best to stay in the saddle and keep anxious watch out for Badlands tricks. A sudden drop off the side of a cliff, an unexpected hole in the earth, or an overturned van. Sweat trickles down my back and between my clavicles. I see nothing. For what feels like hours, I see nothing. And then, something. A suggestion of a skyline with too many right angles to be hoodoos. A faded sign that juts suddenly from the desert beats me to the punchline. Welcome to Sparville. It's a one-street village nestled in a narrow valley between the mesas as only a mining town would be. A bank, a one-screen movie theater, a cafe. All frozen in time, judging by their atomic-era signage, the neons and pastels sun-bleached and worn to smoothness. I scan the vista of downtown Sparville for any trace of Strathcona or his pony, but everything is still. We ride through the shadow of the town's welcome sign, and I see that there are several smaller, arrow-shaped signs nearby. One pointing to the main road back to the highway, one to the coal mine that was shut down so long ago, and one to the hotel. The lettering has been scrubbed out by decades of sand and looks exactly how I feel. Insubstantial. For a moment, the buildings around me seem to warp at the edges of my vision, and I can feel every empty room and shadowed corner pulsing, begging me to get lost in their twisting, looping, reality-breaking bullshit. It's like I'm back at the moon house, alone, and standing on the brink of something impossible to understand. And then I see another horse, by the hotel. And then Bucky sees the other horse by the hotel. Easy, boy. Okay, uh-huh. Bucky, you, you stay out here. Maybe some of Triton's chill will rub off on you. Now, where is your rider? Oh, 
hotel loomed so large from further down the street, but up close, it's almost like a theme park attraction. The intricate Greek columns that line its entrance look fake somehow, like plaster, and the regal facade hides much simpler architecture behind it. I push on the brass and glass rotating doors and realize it's just your average highway-adjacent chain hotel on the inside. Faux marble counters, satin chairs, a whole tawdry nine yards, even a red carpet. Well, used to be red. <laughs> Gah. Must have gone moldy ages ago. Okay, let's do this. Oh, phone uh, light on. Strathcona! Strathcona! It's me. You can't hate me that much, can you? Maybe you can. I flip a coin in my head and take the left hallway that peels off from the lobby, grateful to leave the creeping mildew stench behind. I pass a janitorial closet and elevator shaft, a breakfast bar with its narrow windows papered up. The lights are all out and the windows are too small to let much of the blazing summer light in. Quickly, I find myself walking alone into the dark, dust motes drifting through the tiny pool of light from my phone. Occasionally, I let the light bounce up along the walls, their retro sconces and picture frames throwing shadows that make my heart jump every time. Strathcona? Strathcona? The air in here is dry and unmoving. Somehow it's cold, an invasive chill pressing up against my bare arms. I realize I almost don't want to call out. My light spills over the walls, illuminating a long, silent tableau of picture frames and closed doors with elaborate glass windows and rusted nameplates. There's an oil painting of the hotel on its opening day, 1890. Eight, and a door labeled Laundry. An action shot of a local rodeo next to Head Office. No way. No fucking way. There's a copper plate below the photograph, and the name engraved on it sends my stomach down into my shoes. Joseph and Carmen Moon, founders and proprietors. The hotel I'm currently standing in was built by Jasper and Melinda's ancestors. Hawthorne had it half right. The Moons weren't just a wealthy Sparville family. They were the wealthy Sparville family. Still reeling from the discovery, I turned the faint circle of light down the dead hallway, illuminating another impressively framed photograph. Joseph Moon again standing in front of a gaping hole in the earth. No, the Sparville incident is rotting my brain. Not a gaping hole, a coal mine early in its life. Behind the moon patriarch, men in flat caps and charcoal smears carve into the ground, install timbers to support the opening, 
and peer suspiciously at the camera. At the apex of the timbers, a single crudely etched sign announces the mine's ownership. Sparville Mine, property of the MMC. Oh, you bastards. Of course, the Sparville Hotel wasn't the moon's only venture. They owned the mining outfit that fueled Sparville from tip to tail. Hawthorne said the coal industry went bust, and still the Moon family kept the mines going for years after. At least until the mid-century rolled around and the last kids had to pack it all up. Why would you bankroll a failed mining project for that long? Then I realize they weren't looking for ore. They were digging for something else. This family's been digging through the Badlands, searching for bones, for over a century. Hawthorne, come in. Oh, fucking... This is Strathcona. There's nothing in Sparville. Just dust and weeds and the moon's old hotel rotting on its foundations. No Jasper, no Mel. Strathcona? Surprise. Why are you taking up this frequency? I told you I don't want your help. Yeah, well, I followed you anyways. You... What? Do not tell me you were in Sparville. Oh, I'm in the hotel. Strathcona, listen. For fuck's sake, Sonny. No, no, listen to me. Strathcona, I found the jawbone, the last piece of the moon's puzzle. At the Paleontology Center. I can't believe I didn't think of it before, but Dr. Gillespie confirmed it. Jesus. Jasper and Mel find out. I know. The doctor's keeping it as safe as he can, but we need to get back to the center and come up with a plan to keep it out of the cult's hands. Why aren't you at the center now? Why did you waste all this time coming out here? Because... Let's just get back to town, okay? Fine. Nightmare Hotel are you anyways? Um, I'm in the lobby. Where are you? Strathcona? Where did you say you are? The lobby? Sonny. I'm in the lobby. <laughs> what? No, you're not. Sonny. If you were, I'd see you. I mean, I'm looking everywhere. It's definitely... It's... Strathcona? The lobby doors. They're... They're gone. written, directed, and produced by Renee Taylor Clint. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Russ Moore and featured the voice talents of Liz Morey, Danielle Brin, Elvis Barkdale II, and Brigham Snow. Special thanks to our artist representative, Giancarlo Herrera. Visit BadlandsCola.com and follow Badlands Cola on Twitter for show notes, announcements, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Good night.
Please continue through the building, as instructed. <laughs> Please, just let me go. Keep going. I don't know how long I've been here. There are no windows. No doors. Only endless hallways. Nothing ever changed. I thought nothing ever would. What is this? You have encountered an unexpected object. Wait. This wasn't you? I swear I know this place. It looks like... Whose house does this look like? Don't you want to stay and remember? Your destination is approximately miles away. Distance approximation is currently not available. Look at the world coming apart around you. I don't care how hard this is. I can't go back there. I can't. I won't. You will not survive this. Hello? Is anyone in there? Yes. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I knew it. I'm Iris. You? Jessica. Excellent. Okay. If you listen to me and do exactly as I say, I can get you out of here. Hallway to Nowhere. A microfiction audio drama about isolation, escape, and that which is almost familiar. You have not been here before. <laughs>